well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's homo superior. The real issue. <laughs> this is issue 143. Uh, I'm Kalen. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. All right. So we are going to start off with talking about some news, uh, and then we'll finish off by uh, doing our uh, final four for the Mutant Madness bracket. So the first bit of news is a, a little bit sad. Uh, Denny O'Neill, uh, who was a longtime Batman writer and an editor for DC, passed away this past week. Uh, he was in his early 80s, and he was a seminal character. He, he introduced uh, Rachel Ghoul to uh, the Batman mythos. Um, many think that, like, uh, you know, if you think about, like, Batman's rogues galleries, a lot of them were really created in the 1940s, like Joker, Two-Face. Uh, the Riddler, uh, Catwoman, and Penguin. Um, Rachel Ghoul wasn't created until the 70s, and he's had one of the, like, the most lasting impacts by being in a movie, in a show that didn't even star Batman, uh, mm -hmm. and in the animated series. Um, he also, Denny O'Neill also wrote uh, one of the most seminal um, comics in the late 60s, early 70s, with Green Lantern and Green Arrow that dealt with drug abuse, uh, which was uh, very much a... Uh, kind of a no-go for a long time in comics. And so um, Green Arrow's uh, sidekick, Speedy, uh, was uh, caught um, uh, abusing heroin. And so the fact that the issue dealt with that and dealt with uh, the comic itself dealt with a lot of like, at the time, real world issues um, made it very groundbreaking. So he was a huge legend in uh, comic books and um, sad that he passed away. I think you're missing his largest contribution, which was the Superman versus Muhammad Ali one shot. <laughs> that was a, yes. Which that I know is, is, is famous as fuck though. That cover is great. <laughs> it is a great cover. Yeah. This is such a wild matchup. Yeah. It, it's very sad. Um, I, I, and I fortunately I didn't know too much about him before, but reading all of the stuff mm -hmm. that he did, he did an amazing stuff and bringing such real world issues like that early on in comics, doesn't exist too much, honestly. Yeah. No, a very, very broad uh, career. I'm looking, he also yeah. did <laughs> for Batman, the animated series. I'm like, what things do I know about? I'm like, G.I.G., he wrote for G.I. Joe and Batman, the animated series. Um, he yeah, created I, the uh, character Azrael too, who took right. over Batman uh, the Nightfall series in the early 90s when every hero was being killed or broken or whatever, and then a replacement would come and take their place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always interesting to watch people uh, be able to shift back and forth between the two comic giants, um, but then also do a lot of other stuff outside of that. Yep. Uh, next up in news, um, the X of Swords uh, miniseries, which obviously got pushed back like all other comics because of COVID, is now increased from 15 parts to 24 parts. Oh, that seems excessive. God. I thought it was I thought it was ten of swords, or twenty four of swords. Yeah, it's X X I V of swords. Uh, <laughs> is, is Jonathan Hickman trying to do the longest crossover that we've ever seen in X Men history? Because this is I so do long. believe that is the the longest. Well, and that's the. Nuts. The good thing is it's connected to all the other X books, like what the X Men do so great and. Uh, over the years, like Fall of X Men, Messiah Complex, like the, integrating the actual comics that already yes. exist and not doing too many. I'm only counting three, yes. three extra issues. Um, so I appreciate that and not just making it a limited series that sort of uh, has no weight and is not in continuity. Phoenix and Song, I'm looking at you, War Song, all of them. Ooh. But it's like, it's. Uh, it's nice to see them in continuity. I am scared for that to see the general quality change between each of the issues though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So going back to like, um, you know, thinking back about like the sort of crossovers that X-Men have done, like Extinction Agenda, Executioner's Song, uh, Messiah Complex, uh, Second Coming, and I'm probably forgetting a few. Uh, but I love the majority of those. Um, I think those are some of the high points, and that's why I'm cautiously optimistic 
about a ton of swords, um, even though it's 24 parts. And a lot of it is driven by um, Teeny Howard's Excalibur, which we have talked about having, you know, we have differing opinions on its quality, but we definitely agree that it's not one of the better Dot of X books. You, you also forgot to mention that this is a plot line about a bunch of X-Men getting a lot of swords, which I like, that does not leave me feeling very excited about it. Sorry, go ahead, Clark. My issue is gonna be whether it's a series that the writers write tons of characters that aren't in their regular series, or if it's gonna be how their team yes. relates to He's it. dealing with it, well said. Yes. Because when yeah. other characters suddenly pop into when characters are having character arcs, it is awful. Yeah. And it feels yeah. weird. Like same, same, same writers and creators need to write the same characters. Other characters can pop in, but it needs to be their same group. The entire right. Yeah, it's almost like the series itself doesn't matter when crossovers happen. I'm trying yeah. to think which one was it? Uh, Second Coming or Messiah Complex. One of the two, one of them, completely all dovetailed together and every character was everywhere and then nothing meant anything. And then the other one, they had their separate squads. I know that um, totally. we're talking about X-Factor in a bit, but X-Factor had a three episode, three episode, three issue um, story that dealt with it, but dealt with it in their own thing. They didn't deal with anybody else. It was which I would. Yeah. That was Messiah Complex for sure. Yeah, Messiah Complex, I think was a thousand times better than Second Coming. To me, it seems oh. like the general trend in the issuance of comic stories is to reduce rather than expand. To me, this is a signal that I think there is more vision being put behind the larger story. I am worried about the individual issues being able to execute that story. Mm -hmm. I think that even still, what the, the key elements are might still be fun to experience. Like, for example, Sorty. Um, <laughs> character well, we've, we've all we've, been looking forward to. I can't wait for me. Or her, we don't know. In the news, they kind of mildly spoiled what's going on in it. Like, should Do I say it? Know? Because it's literally in the article. Um, it's Apocalypse kind of tricking, not tricking, but like persuading uh, Richter into using his powers, quote unquote, like very strongly in order to cause something. I'm going to assume it's like the rift that brings back his original. Um, it's original, oh shoot. Uh, the, the horsemen. Four horsemen? Yeah. yeah. So we see, a lot of, we see a lot of the visuals include Apocalypse and it's literally in the background in the sky like fucking Lion King. His four yeah. horsemen are there. So like it will heavily involve him. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering how the fuck they're working in swords. I, what I'm hoping for this entire crossover is each team has its own fucking mission Sort of like, uh, what's it? Um, War, uh, Death of Mutants. What's it called? Um, Mutant Massacre. Mutant Massacre. Massacre. Okay. Sort of, so they're doing their own sort of thing. And yeah. I hope it's sort of in that same thing. And then they may yeah. come together at the end. Yeah, I hope so too. Do you know what's exciting? We have no word on Children of the Atom coming out. That's well, the series where they have like their five fangirl. Right. Senses, which I did not like the concept at all, and I'm happy I, not to deal with it for a couple more it, months. It could be like Runaways and kind of interesting and a new age, like a current look at superheroes, which would be fun. But we constantly, constantly talk about how new teens always show up and push the old teens out. This is going to be the exact same case where we stop caring about, well, they try to make us stop caring about the mm -hmm. other ones because we got a new batch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have they said anything about X Factor, Clark? Yeah, X Factor is part of this twenty-four issues. It is. It is. Yeah. So it's going to premiere. Okay. All right. I they, think X they, showed, they they showed one cover of uh, it, it's a cover for X Factor, and it's uh, the the five the, the regeneration five or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking at one of the eggs being hatched and being like, ah! like who is it? So who knows? Hmm. We'll see. Yep. Well, um, the next bit of news, um, obviously, Free Comic Book Day ended up getting canceled this year uh, because they normally tie it with the beginning of the summer movie season. It's supposed to be tied in with Black Widow's premiere. Black Widow has been moved to the fall. Um, but they've decided to do Free Comic Book Day as a two-month event starting on July 15th. 
It's going to go all the way uh, up to mid-September. So kind of excited to see what that means and like what free comics will be coming out from uh, the major publishers. They're always kind of interesting, but I always think the, the better ones are from the smaller publishers every year. Like there's always like stuff that I want to sample. And I'm like, oh, I would never sample that if I didn't get it free from Free Comic Book Day. Uh, Clark, you might be the closest we have to our stats numbers guy when it comes to comics. Does like a free comic book day, is that just more like goodwill or do we know anything about how much it helps different comic books sell? sales? You, I mean, usually Marvel and DC will just put out a main one like an Avengers one or a Spider-Man one or a Justice League one. So that and it kind of ties into what's going to happen throughout the rest of it. Now, remember the Avengers one, I think had a lot to do with the, you know, what was that big thing? Like the 1 million BC Avengers or whatever nonsense yeah, yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. And yeah. that tied into all that. So they're very important. Sometimes you can't get them. And they're not really esoteric series at all. They tend to be prologues before, like, yeah. or something later. To and me, then, it seems like they're for, like, the same way that you try and sell cereal or kids' toys, that if you can get a parent to go, let me get this for my kid, then they get really insistent on them being bought again and again and again. But I have no idea if that's how the market actually works. I mean, I, I know so many series that aren't from the main publishers just sit in, sit in someone's drawer for the next six months. I The, the big planet you can literally get half of the free comics any old time you want for the next year because they're just sitting there in a huge stack in front of the um, front of the checkout. Maybe so I don't know what I don't know what nine <laughs> weeks is going to do. Yeah. Nine weeks seems like a lot of nonsense that's going to happen. I'm scared to leave my home. I'm not going to get these free comics. I want to see them. Yeah, they, they better be released digitally. I, I am excited to see that the last week, September 9th, there's a Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess and Splatoon Squid Kids comedy show from Viz Media available. So I'll be sure to check that out in September. Wait, do they release a specific schedule of yeah. what comedy they're going to release? Yeah. It's in the, it's in the link of our agenda. Uh, well, we <laughs> could have fucking you, said that you did for our work. listeners. But instead, we all pretended like we didn't know what was going to go out, what was going to go on. It's a two-month event. Who knows? We do know. I mean, it's a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty. Go to the link. Let's let's find out answers. Uh, it's a lot of. So I, yeah, go ahead, Clark. I was looking at Netflix. You know, they kind of tell you in the last minute what new series are going to come out every month, and there's going to be a new one that comes out August 28th, which is a like serial killer series, but the serial killer kills people in famous um, origin stories from comics and movies way. So uh, like someone will get, yeah, like they'll kill someone by like radioactive spider or something. Uh, and it seems super interesting and super weird. And I hope it's good. Do you remember what it's called? I definitely, in me, um, unknown origins. Okay. Like, like so, Superman as a baby, he crashes into earth, but his ship isn't prepared to be crashed into earth. <laughs> I mean, but the serial killer crashed him in there. Right, yeah. he jettisoned him from... What, why didn't they call it, like, Deadly Origins or something like that? I don't know. Huh? <laughs> I'll talk to someone. <laughs> well, Brent, do you want to know what you're coming out? Yeah, I, I, would love, I would love to hear. So, uh, in July 15th, uh, the big one that we will be focused on is X-Men. There'll be, uh, like, a free comic uh, for X-Men. On July 22nd, it'll be Spider-Man and Venom. Um, on July 29th, uh, they're going to do a Batman series called Once Upon a Crime. Um, Ooh. <laughs> love that word. I know. It's, yeah, terrible, terrible. Um, there's a lot of other like smaller indie books coming out uh, in uh, late July, early August. And then... Um, the rest of the rest of the time it's mostly it's mostly like um a lot of books that you may not have heard of but there are some really cool ones like um humanoids is going to do enter the inkle um viz media is going to do naruto samurai 8 uh graphics is going to do owly which is actually a super cute comic and i was introduced to owly 
um, as a uh, another free comic book day like several years ago. It's it's a really adorable series. I like the idea more for like indie creators to just have like a large corporation give like an issue of their book. That's where yeah. they notoriously like thrive. Actually, like people will get one issue and be like, "Well, I like, I think it's it's actually a lot of like non-comic readers will go in on free comic book day, try them out, and then be like, "Oh, maybe I should keep doing that." And I, a lot of them have thrived off of that outside of like DC and Marvel, which is kind of cool. And I like this spanning it out because it's much needed right now to like revamp that whole industry which is much needed right now i was i'm not sure whether it's scout comics or what kind of company but there was a series called grumble from like three years ago that is like a really foul mouth um blah 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 but um i definitely that's i think that's the only one i've really grabbed and kept after free comic book day but that originally was a free comic where it crossed over it crossed over with um with goon Pelican comics, maybe. I don't know. Um, do you guys want to jump into our mutant madness? Yeah. Tell us yeah. about it, though. All right. So we are in our final Fantastic Four. We are so close to the finish line. Thank God. Wait, the Fantastic Four is an X-Men team now? This changes everything. I'm going to go back and <laughs> It's Storm, it's Wolverine, it's definitely Cyclops, and Jean Grey. I love them together. I yeah, mean, one absolutely. of their kids is, apparently. Um, so we are, our listenership is going up the less we do this. Um, <laughs> we have picked a bunch of X-Men teams and put them together, talk about their rankings. You, the listeners have selected which ones you think will move forward. Um, and, uh, we debate it. Let's go over the current rankings for, uh, uh, what do we for- got left? For Brett or for not, it's any man's game. Brett Mans is still nope. wide lead, um, followed up by Mike Moon and uh, Evan Cooper. So uh, I don't think there's much of a possibility for Brett to lose unless he gets every matchup wrong after this. Before we get into our final four where we pit the last of each team against each other. I do have a few questions for you guys just about kind of how we got here. What are some of the teams that really fell off the map? Um, And I was curious, was there any team you guys thought had a better premise than its actual execution? Ryan? Um, Astonishing X-Men should have lasted way longer than it did. It's outrageous that it's not up there with uh, the new X-Men, the all new X-Men, because it is well regarded within the community as a current day comic that holds up. And it really like translate what the X-Men are today. It, it, it's so well done. The dialogue is really great. It happens to be Joss Whedon's, which people can fall on either side of. But it's a really well done comic that made the X Men the X Men again after New X Men, which was like a departure. Not a bad departure, but just a departure. But you were asking. Oh, sorry. You didn't ask that question. Yeah. No, no, the question he asked is which book had a more promising premise than its execution? Oh, fuck. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> no, you just wanted to talk about it. You're too excited. No, because actually, that is a that is a big question I have still about astonishing, and I I think we discussed it before, but did it originally have a set end point? Because one of our biggest discussion topics was how poorly it ended, and is it necessary? Like, is there a part of the X Men teams that needs to just kind of flare off? Uh, and not really have a clear set ending. Is that more disadvantageous for them? In my mind, I will, will be, I'll, I'll be talking about that in about 15 minutes (laughs) in regards (laughs) to something else. The, The journey is the most important thing rather than the ending and the expectation. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that relies that much on it. 
I will say um, to answer your original question, uh, Brent, um, going back to some of the teams that kind of fell by the wayside in the first round, Fallen Angels, I think, was an interesting concept that had really bad execution in the 80s. Yeah. The idea of a Fagin-type character um, kind of collecting uh, a bunch of mutants that don't quite belong to become criminals is a really neat idea. Uh, you know, and especially finding ways to, you know, bring in enemies and, and allies, uh, disaffected heroes, uh, villains who may not have given, been given a shot. I think it was a really, really interesting, interesting concept that just, you read the book and it's like, what the fuck is this? It's just a mess. It's just an absolute mess. Yeah, I think that was my least favorite of every single series we read. And I feel like it shouldn't have been based on the material it was about. Um, for me, uh, it's uh, ecstatics. I think I, I love the idea of ecstatics, but probably the reason why we cut it out was because it felt like a world where there are superheroes, but not specifically mutants. And I think you could have enhanced the story a little bit by having it include some mutants that people maybe knew a little bit, but had a very clear reason why they might go for fame rather than uh, Charles Xavier's self-righteous, we've just got to do this because it's the right thing mentality. That's a great point. They could have easily added a few characters like Boom Boom or like uh, that actually just want fame rather than other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but the series all about killing people off half the time. Are they going to have major characters involved in that? Well, not in the first run, but when they revamped the team in the second issue, they could have. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, think, a, I think probably on the second revamp. Sorry, Kaylin. It's an indie book that's sort of superimposed onto the, on the X-Men corner of the Marvel Universe. And so I don't think you can bring in um, a lot of the well-known characters as, you know, featured or recurring um, just for that reason alone. I don't I, think... I, 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 I don't want to pander to Ryan, but I actually think if you had a character who was kind of existing as all her teammates died regularly, Dazzler might actually be a good, not too high up X-Men uh, to kind of take that mantle who still wants fame, but is relatively grounded. Dazzler would have been a really good addition, I think, to that book. I completely agree. Yeah, she'd be great on Love Island as well. But She's like 10 years <laughs> no, older than all those characters. Yeah, um, she's like she knows how to survive. Adam, did you I have any, <laughs> any team that you thought had a better premise than an execution? Oh, I want to say one really quickly. Uh, the original five. It, the original five? Yeah. No. I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably for right. that point, it was the execution was great because that's the style. But you know, nowadays it's it's the the wordiness um could have been changed a bit. Um, it's it's a uh, probably a controversial choice. I would say X Men Red because the ex I think the ex it's not due to Tom Taylor by any means. It's really due to just the inherent like it has to end kind of thing. So all this other stuff could reboot. And I think is, was the only real disappointing aspect of that run is that con I think there was so much more to do with that concept. And I think the real like reality kind of just affected that, um, that series. I, I could have seen that going on for a very long time. And I think the characters were all interesting. The chemistry was interesting. It just had a real shitty final act and mostly due to, you know, like, I, I agree with that entirely, but I also think it's kind of the opposite way in which it had to drag it on because it had to end at a certain point. It couldn't end three months earlier because oh, yeah. they had to. It feels like that because there were parts where it was like padding. It That's took a good the story call. with padding halfway through. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, X-Men Blue's premise should have been like, will eventually be a popular TV show. Like, they should have retooled it to be like, <laughs> this will be what you watch on Fox Kids or whatever the fuck yeah. it is. Because that is, it has such lasting hold on, well, people know the X-Men are, that I think they should have played that up more in the actual comic itself. Yeah. Hey, Lynn, what do you think about this? 
Um, as far as teams that uh, had um, more of a well, I guess anything that was just said. <laughs> I oh. thought I thought you put your hand up, so I wanted to make sure that I didn't like miss you. Oh um, no, I think all the points that everyone's made are absolutely correct. I definitely think uh, X Men Red. I remember being so excited when it came out, and the first few issues when they introduced Trinary, I was like, God, this is finally a really good X Men book after a number of years, and then it sort of sort of just petered out, and then they had to make a room for um, first X, the X-Men Disassembled arc and Age of X-Men, and then eventually uh, Dawn of X. Uh, I do think um, one other book that actually had an okay execution, but I kind of wish they had been able to delve into it more is Magneto's X-Men, because um, mm -hmm. I really <laughs> love the idea of Magneto like leading his own team uh, to try to do what is, um, you know, what he thinks is right, but they're still sort of morally gray. It's almost like an X-Force team. Um, but um, Magneto is probably one of my favorite X characters of all time. So anytime he's involved uh, as an anti-hero, I get very, very excited. Um, so not the exact same, but uh, any of the teams that have been eliminated, mm -hmm. uh, do you think would have made possibly a better movie or a TV show? Astonishing, for sure. Yeah. How would how would you make that as a TV show or a movie? What would you, what what would be stuff you'd include? Well, I think the reason why Astonishing is so beloved uh, by people is it's a book that anybody can pick up and sort of just get into without feeling lost in. Uh, years, if not decades, of X-Men lore. Plus, it's got snappy dialogue and very attractive art. And it's got characters that are fairly iconic. And then, you know, you bring in, you know, a new POV character like Armor, uh, who's almost like Kitty 3.0, because you've got Kitty, Jubilee, and then Armor, you know, sort of as the young ingenue who comes in. Um, I think um, I think it's pretty self-contained, and it's a manageable enough team. I agree in everything but the fact that Emma Frost would be non-functional in that case because the entire story arc where like all their like her dead past like students and then Sebastian Shaw and all this kind of stuff is way too much in history. Everything single thing about her arc is way too much um, that would not fit with what you're talking about in terms of people knowing exactly what not needing to know exactly what's going on. Things she had to do you had to know. You had to know that this woman was a monster ahead of time and why in order for her to fight with Kitty or in order to get the why there's so much venom. Brian. Besides the surviving ones that are already there, I think they would all make great movies and TV shows. And Disney Plus should probably just flat out make a couple TV shows. It would be great to see those longer threads go into actual movies. With that said, I think one that could survive and be a really cool self-contained thing would be Excalibur, the original Excalibur. Like, when you introduce the X-Men, have a few of them go over, like, across the goddamn pond and introduce the rest of the characters that they're doing. I think that would be really fun. And I think having somewhere that's not maybe New York or some Slavic town they made fucking up would you, really? yeah. you mean Grajdovoviga? Uh, oh no, Juzamvandin fell. And like I don't know what that that's made up, but like, um, but having that in a real world would help a lot. And I'm not talking like Thor number two, where they just like hung out in England for like five months. I mean, like actually have them base there. Like give the rest of the world some some weight and like get like spread it out a little bit. I think that um, would be really cool. Well, I'll talk about this once again later. Um, I think the best series that they could make is X Factor. It's what yeah, the gift it should thing. have been. Yeah, the gift oh. it was a piece of shit, but it literally that's where they should have gone with it instead of the it's, piece it's of so garbage obvious. that they did. So I would probably pitch the um, the Krakoa uh, mutants. I think that you could have a very interesting TV storyline involving any of the teams that you wanted um it would probably be pretty hard to do but doing something along the lines of what happened with uh, uh captain america winter soldier and uh agents of shield 
and having moments where in one show it affects the other show, but you don't necessarily need to see one or the other. Having parallel shows that kind of focus on, you know, the, what's going on in Krakoa, for me, I think it's very modern. It's something that people would really enjoy. It feels very fresh and different from all the X-Men stories they've seen before. Ryan, what were you going to say? I, I think uh, I think you're onto something. It is a modern storytelling. Like it, it is very current day, and it is probably what the current MCU will t- head towards. But that is way down it because you have to introduce mutants. You have to. I but I think it's ripe and present for that. Um, one thing that I think they could pick off super easily would be exiles of like these. Once they introduce the multiverse they can easily have like a group of like fun characters popping into different realities. It could be a TV show or it could be like a phenomenal uh, HD graphics heavy sort of like movie too. Sort of like your favorite movie, Dr. Strange. Well, I would say TV show, but uh, Kaylin, what were you going to say? I think like having one of the books that features um, the more established mutants, um, training and teaching the younger mutants that are brand new characters like either model it after the new x-men academy x or wolverine in the x-men uh would be would be really nice because it's like everybody kind of knows wolverine storm cyclops all these like you know iconic characters and this way you can bring in a whole new set of uh of newer mutants that are maybe established or not established yet to be through the pov characters I think, I the, think that's a really sorry uh, to interrupt because um, uh, I think Adam has something, but I really wanted to say I like that idea because I think it's a really interesting way of starting a show with like, here are people who you love and we are training you to like the people who are going to run the rest of the show. Um, yeah. Adam, you had something to say? Yeah, it's, I think to, it depends on if and how you like, use mcu right i think if you're using the mcu it's not great from a representation standpoint but i think an updated take on the original five um would be a great way to kickstart. and and i i think we're all kind of in general agreement that tv show definitely helps support x-men more and maybe mm-hmm. leading to the kind of like big actual theater movies um but i could see a perfect original five season one and then essentially in season two, or if you needed to wait until season three, you introduce the all new, all different X-Men part in season three. And you don't need to do all the same characters, but I think it's like the way that X-Men's really gonna succeed in, in an MC universe is if you really work your way up um, to build on all the mythos and those characters and obviously cut out some of the 70s, 80s, 90s fat. Um, and then alternatively, if you're gonna go the route that like, they don't want to do anything. Fox still owns the licensing, whatever. I mean, now it's all together. But like, if they really wanted to just select the thing out of thin air, I actually think of the all the storylines where it's like older teaching younger. Gen X two is very fitting for a terrible freeform show. Um, I think it would be. I think it'd be probably well more better done than like the Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. But I, it lends itself to allow people to develop as characters as themselves. Because I think the biggest problem with doing like new student stuff is every single Fairweather fan is only going to want to see Wolverine, Cyclops, Gene. You know, you're going to want to see your 90s favorites, essentially, which is it's unfortunately bad for the X-Men. But I think that's a great group of people where you could do a lot with the storylines. And it feels very, um, I think it, it does feel very culturally relevant, I guess, um, just in terms of the, the hipsterness of it all. Yeah. Mark? I was just going to hop on Ryan's a minute. Um, we've got that What If series coming out. It's yeah. going to be very um, else, elseworldy and take the place of the Exiles a lot. The other problem with Exiles would be that it would have to be animated for the same reason that you can't get all the main huge cast members there in order to show five different versions of Captain America. Which is also why um, I always thought Exiles was pretty boring because I didn't want to see 500 versions of Sue Storm, Claremont. I hope he's not listening. (laughs) (laughs) He's our one listener. I'll yell at him. You wanted to ask us, Brent. 
Um, well, I do have one more question, but actually I think um, maybe next week we'll, I'll save the, the remaining questions I have. Um, okay. I do mm -hmm. think that there's a lot of them that are going to be valuable as like, just thinking about why the losers are losers, because from my perspective as an outsider, there are so many teams that seem like, based off just your tastes and preferences, they could be really considered the best. Yeah. Um, and it, it does bother me a little bit that we don't have enough time to see where, for example, Krakoa could go mm. or for production reasons why certain series were cut off kind of arbitrarily. Um, so with that, I think we need to uh, do our final four. Um, it should be all new, all different X-Men versus the new mutants, both of which are Claremont. Uh, Kalen, do you want to recap what those are? Yeah, absolutely. So um, all new, all different X-Men is the, uh, the representative of the traditional X-Men teams. Again, this is uh, a team popularized by Chris Claremont and illustrated by giants like John Byrne, Paul Smith, uh, John Romita Jr., and Dave Cockrum. Um, some of the most iconic storylines that have been adapted into other media started here. Uh, the Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past, um, um, some of the Wolverine stories that we've seen integrated into his solo films. Um, they really did get their start here. Uh, and it's up against uh, the representative of the Young X-Men team, which is the original New Mutants. Again, started off by Chris Claremont uh, and then taken over by Louise Simonson. And it featured art uh, by Brett Blevins, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, uh, and others. Uh, and it was the first time that we were introduced to a younger generation of mutants uh, who were being trained uh, while the uh, regular X-Men team uh, went off on all, all their fun missions. So um, these two are up against each other. Uh, what does everyone think? Uh, for me, artistically, I think there is a clear advantage from New Mutants. I think that um, while All New, All Different doesn't fall into the same um, kind of artistic stylings that maybe something like Rob Layfield's work might. New Mutants actually has artistic stylings that are designed for the story. The Demon Bear storyline, for mm -hmm. example, is kind of dark and brooding and chaotic in the same way that there's a chaos to exploring David Heller's mind. That I don't know that all new different really has that versatility for what the characters are supposed to be doing. There's a weirdness in the New Mutants uh, stories that don't really come out in the all new, all different X-Men stories. And I do agree with you, Brent, that the art often reflects that, which makes it, uh, it was a, a nice experimental sister title in the early to mid eighties uh, when it was really only uncanny X-Men and, and New Mutants being published even before X-Factor started. What does everybody else think? With, with that said, of uh, maybe New Mutants maybe taking some a little bit more risks and maybe like creating a horror comic within it or maybe creating Slice of Life a little bit more than All New does in a little bit better way. I, I think the reason why they were able to take those risks be, was because the, the original five were not successful as a series. Because they're like, oh, I, okay, there's a bunch of white people. That's cool. And one girl, that's fine. But like, <laughs> it's, they, they took a risk and they actually gathered people from all regions around the world to put this team together. And it was unheard of. It was like, it was insane to even think about that. And if you read it back then, there, even in the writing, although maybe dated, you can even see the writer itself reacting in that way where, He's basically saying like, wow, this is crazy that all these different people are together. You don't get that feeling as much from the New Mutants because they are a little bit more locally just the U.S., sort of like the older teams. 
So I think them taking that super risk for all new really cemented what the X-Men were, whereas New Mutants was like a back to basic sort of idea. New Mutants had two Brazilians, a Russian, and uh, two, uh, at least for, uh, and uh, someone from Vietnam. <laughs> Definitely worldly. Um, they all lived locally, actually. <laughs> I think yeah, except for no, the, the rest of the team was just located in the U.S. Not, not saying that diversity was not. has to be a certain thing, but I, I'm just saying they literally brought people from different regions of the world together for the first time, comparatively to... Well, okay, so to, push, to continue to push Clark's point, Ryan, I mean, like, as far as like Cold War politics goes, it was a big deal to have these teams be formed of people from different nations who are ostensibly in a stalemate with each other. And New Mutants came out when? When was it the start? Early 80s. Uh, 1983 was the, the graphic novel and the series started in 84. I, I think say. by that time, artistically, we had already felt a lot of different people exploring the idea of like cross-pollination, like there are bigger goals than our country's fights. So I don't, I, I don't discount all new, all different for being kind of a pioneer among that, uh, among that build among its characters, but New Mutants was diverse. Maybe, maybe that's an, an important factor. How diverse is your team? I forgot that um, Wolfsbane was Scottish. Like, more than half the team wasn't from America. Yeah, it was basically... Yeah, but Scottish is... They all live in upstate New York. Now they do. Same thing with the (laughs) by that point. Well, it's funny. It's like New Mutants. If you think about New Mutants, kind of double down on all new, all different from the original cast. uh, Because... You had, um, you know, Storm, Nightcrawler, Storm, who's African, Nightcrawler, German, Wolverine, who's Canadian, and then Sunfire was in one issue, who's Japanese, and you had mm. Thunderbird in two issues, and then they killed him off, who's Native American. And then New Mutants, you had um, a Vietnamese character with uh, Karma, who was a Native American character, and she was a lesbian. And then you had um, uh, uh, Mirage, uh, Danny Moonstar, as the Native American character, and they ended up becoming two of the most uh, popular characters in the entire series. So um, it definitely, both books were very diverse. Uh, I think New Mutants just kind of doubled down on it a little bit more. And it Uh, made sense, because it it uh, came out eight years after All New, All Different did. So coming from the fiery pits of hell, Adam Kasari, what do you have to say? Dude, I think it sounds like both for the listeners. Are, Adam is completely basked in red light. It yeah. sounds like both teams are. My He's my lighting it. was really low. Both teams are very diverse, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I do. I think there's a lot of major uh, accomplishments for New Mutants. I think we've talked consistently in the young bracket that very few young teams besides the original new mutants have actually been able to stick the landing and become full-on characters that have been able to grow evolve, and and obviously that you know they have years on some of the other teams but i don't think in we're going to see a lot of that availability so they kind of have this like first mover advantage as being one of the first young teams um at the same time though i you know this is a, uh, we are kind of having this discussion of the bracket being like 80s versus revitalization, 80s versus zero zeros. And like when you just kind of compare, I think if we're saying the 80s are really like the impact titles and the zero zeros are like the titles that really solidified high, super high end quality consistently. Um, I, I just, it'd be tough for me to feel like New Mutants actually accomplished more, gave more, or even read better as a full storyline than the all new all different X-Men. I'm, I said by, by last, the final eight, I'm going by team now more than book. I feel like obviously all new all different is a better book and a more important book and has a lot more history and like events and everything. The team is much more reactionary than new mutants it feels less like a family because in the New Mutants, they're literally brought together in a setting in which they kind of have to be a family. Um, I, some relation, obviously we got 
Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler, Kitty Pride and Storm. A lot of the relationships in that series are with ancillary characters. Like we're going to bring in Stevie and just the relationships are less about within the team and more about with other folks. And Stevie's also in New Mutants, but I, I don't know. It's hard. It's really hard. I don't know if I completely agree with that. I mean, I do think that New Mutants feels very much like a family uh, because they're all, they're all peers. They're all right around the same Mm -hmm. age and they're going through classes and, you know, the kind of trials and tribulations of being trainees. But, um, you know, I look back at the most like iconic storylines of um, All New All Different. And I remember reading Dark Phoenix Saga as a kid in the reprints. And I was like, these folks really care about one another. Um, like the relationship that Gene and Storm had, although it wasn't mm-hmm. really Gene, um, but you know, it was the, the being that, that Gene was supposed to be, um, the relationship that Wolverine and Gene had with one another, the friendship that started with Wolverine and Nightcrawler. Like, um, it really, I saw the evolution happen where, like, everybody, like, kind of hated Wolverine at first, and then he became, like, a member, like, the sort of, like, uh, you know, the begrudgingly, like, lovable, gruff, like, character uh, throughout the series. Um, so it felt, I mean, it felt very familial sorry. to me. Well, that's what I was, I, I, I was trying to say, is that I feel you were, you kind of gave me examples. I felt like um, all new, all different, was a lot of really good pairings. Like there was amazing friendships and then they connected all, they didn't, it wasn't like all six, I don't know. I just didn't feel like as a full group, it was as connective. Well, we're we're best friends, they're best friends. We have interest in each other, that kind of stuff. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still, I'm, surprisingly I, I, I want to push back against the idea that all new all different you know kind of is is you didn't i don't think you said this exactly but more impactful than new mutants because uh all new all different has had maybe you know four or five movies come out about it and all new all different has had one that's been on delay for eight years I New I would like to viscerally, from the bottom of my core, disagree with you. The thing that is portrayed by Brian Singer on TV, on these <laughs> fucking little screens, because they're not the big screen, because I don't even want to give it that much credit, is not what the X-Men are. That is not relationships that is some sort of weird warped thing that he was trying to make money off of i do not think any way that encompasses what the look i know we had problems with um legion uh and it's (laughs) it would not exist without new mutants completely agree i don't think we've seen the correct adaptation I don't think we've ever seen all new, all different adapted correctly to the screen. There's not a real. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to quibble with that. It's the X Men animated series. Even yes. though the team, the oh, team was yeah. X Men Blue with members of X Men Gold. The storylines were taken from all new, yes. all different because those are the more iconic storylines. Yeah. Also, Brent, you're reserved to hold your opinion until you see New Mutants in 2024 when it comes out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when it's elected president. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have the vote with my heart on this one. And I think exactly right. The animated series, again, I think why so many people weirdly remember the 90s X-Men being so great is not the comic book. It's because the cartoon show is so great using 80s plot lines. <laughs> right. 70s and 80s plot lines. Yeah, right, for sure. exactly. All right. I think now it's time uh, we throw it up for a vote. All in favor of all new, all different X-Men. Going forward, put your thumb up. Wow. Wow. In a three to two two decision, all new, all different goes forward. I'm shocked with myself. Like, I didn't think, literally before this conversation, I did not think I was going to vote. I love the idea of you having an outer body experience while your thumb's going down, and you're just like, what are you doing? I know, I really, that's how I felt. 
So uh, the people that voted for it were myself, uh, this is Kaylin, Adam, and Ryan, and the folks that wanted New Mutants to go forward were Brent and Clark. Clark, I kind of expected after he said that. Brent, actually, you shocked me with your vote. Yeah. The reason why is because I think something I said before, there is something about New Mutants that hits me more personally as an outsider, as a gay person that it seems more introspective in a way that I think is, it's a more well-designed storytelling tool that's being used by Claremont than All New, All Different, which I fully respect for having good character dynamics, great plot lines, stuff that we want to see again and again. Um, Well, with that, Clark, can you give us the last two teams? Yes, so we're going with X Factor, which is Peter David's X Factor with um, artists including Pablo Roma, uh, Raimondi and Emmanuel Lupacino. And we are going up against Uncanny X-Force, which is Rick Remender and um, artists include Drome, well, are Droma Pena and Isad Ribic. And um, so Uncanny X-Force is basically, we got a new baby, um, uh, last time I said baby, baby apocalypse. <laughs> Um, and they got to either kill it or not kill it. And it's all about deciding what they're going to do. And then, uh, well, spoilers, they don't, or Phantom Axe don't. And then we go to um, the Dark Angel saga. So that's the main plot. X Factor is all about a wild and wacky team out in what used to be Mutant Town in, um, I think it's in Brooklyn, but in New York area. Um, and all the stuff they have to deal with, dealing with kind of like, whether their family is functional or not. And that's the general gist of those series. And it started as a noir series. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then turned into something very Yeah, oh yeah, sorry, Detective Agency. Um, I will say, look, I absolutely love Uncanny X-Force. Um, it's one of my favorite X-teams ever, but the point was made early, uh, maybe a week or two ago, um, that it's got a very strong start and it sort of peters out towards the end. And I, I have to agree with that. Um, I... X-Factor Investigations, um, I think, is pretty strong from beginning to end. And to Clark's point about the previous bracket, this feels very much like a family. Um, there is a lot of interaction amongst mm-hmm. the characters. Um, it is super character driven. Um, I think it's wonderful. And we're Two dealing of with them literally have a baby. So it yeah. is a family. And then, no spoilers. Uh, wait, 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 wait. No, no. They haven't read it yet. They, they haven't read it yet. They lost it. <laughs> this this one is no, uh, this is Brett and Ryan. I don't want to spoil it. Have you read 30 whatever? The baby no. situation? Anyways, well, no. We're not I read one it. of the baby situations. Were there multiple baby situations? Oh, then you probably read the main one. Anyways, um, there's one. (laughs) I I mean, as I said before, the fact that there are 11 main characters in a series and you don't feel like you're losing someone's voice is fucking amazing. Yeah, it is. Really strong, really interesting. Well said. It's so hard to balance that many people with clear and distinct personalities. And and he does it so damn well. You know what people are going to say before they say it, and then he makes what they're going to say even more clever. Mm-hmm. He does such a great job. Uh, um, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, these are both my quick take of just kind of being in and out of these series. I think they're both fantastic uh, series, and again, obviously, all these are going to be the final four if they weren't. I think uh, exactly what you all are saying, and it really, for me, it comes down to what the pinnacle of what type of series? And I think we said this kind of last week where it's like the pinnacle of a murder squad, like an X-Force idea is really fun, but I've seen that action movie enough. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, whereas I think with X-Factor Investigations, having a more noir, down-tempo, smaller stakes kind of feel really benefits it because it allows all of that breathing room for character interactions and development. And it's not all it doesn't have to be like highly stylized fun and sexy which i think again is great but i when it comes down to like what in my heart of hearts really makes x-men versus what makes a great action movie i think it is the ongoing 
soap opera-ish of it. And I, I think there's a lot of good elements that I, I saw in my limited reading of X Factor Investigations that really stands out to me. I mean, um, I don't know, because sorry. for me, looking at um, something like a noir or something like um, an action story, there is fundamentally a deadline that you have to meet. And keeping action stories up and going is very hard and they seem artificially propped up. Look at the Fast and Furious series. But like, I think keeping up a, like a noir story, keeping up mystery, um, and then develop, developing it into something interesting is to me more tricky because in an action story, the most that comes out of it is that someone had a plan that was different than what you expected. But with a, a noir, you learn a lot more about what your relationships before meant. So from Uncanny, I think I liked, I, I do really like it, but having read a little bit more, it doesn't feel like the characters maintain their consistent integrity. It seems like they switch their emotions for other characters based off of the plot line, which I don't love. I, I, I wanted to talk about the characters really quickly. Um, I, it, that is right on point what you're saying. I think that this remembers uh, Uncanny X-Force leaves all their characters in a better, in a, excuse me, in a much worse place in terms of going forward as functional characters. Phantom X and Psylocke were ruined. Uh, I think Ar actually Archangel was ruined for years to the point where they had to literally shove two bodies together in order to get him back functionally. They had to literally kill off Phantom X in order to later bring him back, hopefully in this giant size X-Men that's gonna come out. I love you, Clark, and I agree with you, but you could arguably say the same thing about Strong Guy and Siren from X-Factor, because they were yeah, also left in very bad yes, places. Two, but that's two out of 11 characters. Like every like, yeah. So it's they a numbers game. Two, two out of eleven versus like. You want four out of three? You want five out of four? You want seven? Yeah, out, two I'm out of eleven is much better than than three out of five. I was never good at horse racing. <laughs> it's a seven I, out of eight out of four out of ten. Um, the other thing I was going to say, um, no, in terms of also, I mean. I guess we're flogging a dead horse near because we know where it's going to go. But uh, in terms, I, as I said multiple times, every single characterization that happens in X Factor has continued. And it's the fact that you're rehabilitating or, you know, like making important characters that either didn't matter too much or were kind of second string, which is a fantastic job. Go with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry. With, with that said, I think we're all sort of feeling a certain way. Um, I want to say, like, everyone should read Uncanny oh, X-Force. Yeah. Yes. It integrates Deadpool in one of the best ways I've ever seen. It has Archangel written in one of the best ways I've ever seen. The art, just about the entire time, is phenomenal. It makes you care about so many different things. It is mm -hmm. such a fucking good run. And I think if Remender had as long as a run as David did and could plot out a little bit longer, he could have created no. something just as wonderful as that. No, those I last seventeen it, it, those last seventeen issues was were it? bad. It was okay. rough after after right, ended. It was not a good series. Caleb, not a good series. Last thoughts. I, I was actually gonna agree with Clark. Um, I don't Oh like, sorry, I think Clark. <laughs> So I think Rick Remender is a good writer. He wrote he wrote Deadly Class, if that gives you any indication yeah. uh, of the the show that we watched about a year ago. It only lasted one season, but I don't think he's got the uh, same uh, level of quality as a Peter David on the character driven stories. Um, I just think after a while he kind of just loses momentum, and he pissed off a lot of people, myself included, with. The um, sequel series to Uncanny X-Force was in some ways Uncanny Avengers. Uh, it's when it was like Havoc's Unity Squadron. And uh, in the first issue, Havoc basically goes, don't call me a mutant, just call me Alex. And he was trying to make a point about how he wants to be assimilated with everything else. And a lot of people read into it this way as, as, as I did, as you know, being part of a minority, being, being gay, being South Asian, being, a, being an immigrant. Uh, of, well, my, this is part of my identity. And yeah, I want to be, you know, be, uh, feel like w welcomed and uh, a part of 
the, the society I live in, but I'm not going to subsume my other cultural identity to do that. Um, and it felt very white splained. Uh, and so Remender, which we haven't really talked about, like really got a lot of flack for it and deservedly so when that issue came out. That's a great point. And take back all the things I've said. <laughs> all right. Before we throw it to a vote, are there any last thoughts? All right. Throwing it to a vote. All in favor of X Factor investigations going forward, give a thumbs up. And in f zero to five, Uncanny goes forward. No. <laughs> uh, obviously, X Factor is superior, but Uncanny, Uncanny really is good. It is. Yeah. You're splitting hairs, well, I think, with the time. Yeah, exactly. All all of the books that have made it, like I think from like Sweet Sixteen on, are good books. Those they just are. Yeah. We were, yeah, we've we've just had to make some Sophie's choices, and some have been easier, some have been a little tougher. Uh, but uh, I think next week, uh, when we have all new, all different, going up against X Factor investigations, that's going to be really rough because I don't even know how I'm going to vote. I'll yeah. feel the moment like Clark did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So next week we'll have our regular news uh, and any of the issues that uh, have come up, including metal and deceased. Um, death metal, not just metal, okay, death will... metal. Sorry, death, death metal. metal. Death metal! <laughs> we will wrap up our Mutant Madness Bracket Challenge with all new, all different X-Men going up against X-Factor. Who knows who will win $50? Uh, it's going to be Brett Mann's. Your favorite charity. Will I mean, down. he might suffer a horrific injury. He'll still what are you gonna get do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Clark? Yeah. <laughs> Clark, are you going under the alternate name? Who's, uh, who's second place? Do I know are you going under Mike, Mike Are Moon. you Mike Moon? Yeah. Mike Moon, <laughs> who was in D.C. this past weekend, apparently. He is a friend of a friend. Uh, with that, mm -hmm. uh, we're done. Uh, good luck, everyone, and have a great weekend.